from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Yeah, well, besides the massive earnings calendar, you've got GDP. Consensus expectations are about 3.5%. The Atlanta Fed tracker is suggesting lower, so we could get you know something closer to maybe 1% to 2%. The key question is what's coming in Q4 and Q1, right? The market's already kind of moved past the slow Q3. It'll be interesting to see what happens there in terms of inventories, if we still have a big inventory build ahead of us, which can support you know GDP estimates uh, going forward. And then beyond that, we'll just continue to watch Washington, of course. You know, by by the end of the week, we could have a good idea of what those two uh, packages are going to look like. All right, Jeff, I am back. I wouldn't say I'm totally refreshed because <laughs> you get back on the bike and start rolling, but um, I'm back from my 15 year anniversary and beautiful sanctuary in the Dominican Republic on the YouTube channel. I am sharing. So we were there four nights. We had a really nice room the first two. We got upgraded to like, I don't know what you can call this thing. Had to have been like a presidential suite. It was enormous. You easily could have slept like 10 people in this thing for our last two nights. I mean, Jeff, you see it on the on the YouTube channel there. I don't know. Have you ever had a room like this? Because I've never had a room like this one. Oh, man. Honeymoon in Hawaii would have been the closest, but it wasn't that nice. Uh, yeah. That's that's just a spectacular view. Uh, glad you guys got to do that. It was, it was something, it was something. So I don't know how we're going to top it when we do 20, but we'll, we'll, we'll just get there. We'll see when we get there, I guess is what, what I'll say. So how'd things go last week? I wasn't around. I mean, you, we made it, I guess, right? I, I think uh, Barry and I kept it on the rails. There we go. Uh, yeah, we certainly didn't meet your high standard, but I'd say we uh, came pretty close and, uh, you know, hopefully all of our listeners uh, enjoyed the discussion. Well, that's that's great. Thanks for filling in there. And obviously, um, we're just going to get right into the show because there's a lot to discuss. As always, we're going to talk a little bit about inflation and hyper potential hyperinflation as some of those headlines have been out there with Jack Dorsey at Twitter, making some waves there. We're going to focus on the potential for a year end rally. I mean, this market literally as we speak, the S&P is making new highs, but we're going to take a look at can it continue and can stocks outperform bonds and finish it up um, with a little bit of earnings season. Earnings season is in full swing, doing really well. And actually, also, we're going to do a little Washington update where Washington stands. So those are kind of some of the things we're going to focus on this week. So Jeff, first things first, Jack Dorsey on Twitter, I guess it was on Friday night. Let me make sure I read it correctly. I've got his tweet live that he said, he said, hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening. So this is a guy who is obviously extremely in tune with what's going on um, all around Silicon Valley and just the world in general with Twitter and all the different companies he's involved with. I mean, you know, I know our base case is we don't see hyperinflation, but what's your initial take when a guy who's very influential like this kind of sends out a random tweet on a Friday night <laughs> talks uh, to some pretty big, uh, some pretty big words? Yeah, well, maybe you have to start with just defining what that is. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. if we go from four or five percent inflation to eight, nine, is that hyperinflation? Yeah. Well, when I hear the term hyperinflation, I think. 100%, right? right? Price is going up year over year, uh, double or more. That That's just, frankly, ridiculous. My guess is uh, Dorsey doesn't really ex expect that. Um, you know, he, part of me thinks maybe, you know, because he's a, a crypto guy, maybe he's trying to uh, get exactly. that riled up. But even putting that aside, let's just, what he thinks doesn't really matter to how we invest, right? Based on how we invest, I think a little bit more inflation is coming. 
you know, stubbornly high inflation is probably going to last through maybe the first half of next year, maybe a little longer, but then we think it's going to cool off uh, quite a bit and we'll get closer to something that's looking more normal. Uh, well said. I mean, clearly he is a crypto guy. I don't know if his tweet did it or not, but it obviously moved a lot of those cryptos over the weekend and into Monday. Um, you know, you look at like things like five-year inflation expectation, 10-year inflation expectations. Those have broken out in the last week or so above previous peaks uh, earlier this spring. So, you know, the market is saying, hey, there could be a little bit more inflation. Now, one thing that caught me I don't know. I, I, I think it's funny. I don't know if it's truly funny, but um, Fed chairperson Powell was talking to the South African Reserve Bank, and he remained in the transitory camp, which is what he's been saying literally all year. But he also said, this is quote unquote, this is his quote, elevated inflation to last longer than expected. How in the world can you have inflation lasting, lasting longer than expected and still call it transitory, Jeff? I'm a little stumped on that. It feels like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but it's almost like the guy who's been saying transitory the whole time is now saying, well, maybe it could be around a little bit longer. I mean, this is just one quick quote from a long interview. I'm fully aware, but sometimes there could be something there. What's your take on what Pal had to say there? We're just going to define terms this entire podcast, right? Here we go. What does hyperinflation really mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does transitory really mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe right. maybe six to 12 months is the range. Mm -hmm. That's an investment time horizon, right? Many of us who are tactical investors think a year ahead. And so a year ahead, we probably won't be too worried about inflation. That's, I think that's my view. That's the view, I think, of LPL research. But in the you know short to intermediate term, sure, it's a concern. We all know just from going to the grocery store, the gas station, uh, and all of that, and certainly bidding up uh, wages to try to get, um, you know, what is it, a surprisingly uh, scarce labor force. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, let's say, you know, what have we been talking about on this podcast for a while? Well, one of the better ways historically to kind of beat inflation is to be invested in stocks. S&P's up like 20% for the year. You have more inflation, bonds don't do that well. Okay, your average bond funds actually like down so far this year. Um, I've said if you drop it and it hits your foot and it hurts, that tends to do better in a world of inflation. Um, you know, we've liked the financials, we've liked the cyclical value names, industrials, all of those groups potentially can do a little bit better in a more inflationary, a little bit gently more inflationary world than the deflationary world we saw for 10 years before the pandemic, when honestly, let's be honest, um, you know, tech and growth did really well. So we're not in the inflation, major inflationary camp, but if inflation's a little hot, you know, those are some of the groups that can continue to do well. I mean, Jeff, any final comments kind of on inflation? I know we talk about it, it feels like every week, but also, it's in the headlines every week, and we keep getting these questions asked every week. So we want to make sure we we cover inflation. Um, you know, let's put a bow on it. Well, how do you want to end it with this? Yeah, maybe um, briefly with how to invest. So natural resources mm -hmm. tend to do well in inflationary environments. So we'd be leaning a little bit in that direction. You just talked yep. about it. You drop it on your foot and it hurts. Uh, energy and um, uh, material stocks look well positioned, but what? Some people don't think about too much as real estate, right? We had a good discussion yeah. about real estate in our tactical investment committee meeting yesterday. Uh, that sector tends to hold up well over time in inflationary environments. So maybe um, sprinkling some investments in those areas makes some sense as a little bit of an inflation hedge, just in case uh, this is a, uh, well, let's say transitory is longer than we anticipate. Mm -hmm. Which I think we all learned the word transitory maybe 
we thought it was three months, six months. I guess transitory is a little bit longer. But let's move forward and talk about our friends now in Washington, Jeff. I, I looked about two hours ago. Honestly, by the time we do this podcast, who knows? Things could be a little bit different. But the general feel is, you know, that $3.5 trillion um, social package is likely going to be maybe cut in half, about $1.7 to maybe $2 trillion. Seems like we're inching closer. It feels like maybe this week we could get a deal. I mean, what's your take with the latest in Washington? And who knows? Maybe something's happened from the time I looked two hours ago, honestly. Maybe you saw it. What's the latest? Yeah, I haven't seen uh, anything this morning. Right. But the last couple of days have been very, very interesting, right? We uh, you know, came into October thinking we're going to get corporate tax rate increases, uh, and that's going to clip S&P 500 profits, right? Well, mm-hmm. we'll get maybe some of that if, if, if the Democrats get a deal, which is still likely, uh, but we're going to get less than we thought. Uh, they might not even take the rate up at all, or they might just take it up a couple points, uh, which is certainly less than we uh, expected not long ago. So that's that's really important point. That's good for stocks. That lifts corporate profits relative to expectations. Um, you know, but whether we get two trillion or one seven, maybe even a little less than one seven, that doesn't really matter. The, the spending is going to be spread out over a long period of time. Uh, I think for us as investors, we should be focusing on those corporate tax rates and and the other piece of this, which is certainly as important, capital gains rates, income tax rates, right? Those may not go up at all. Dividend tax rates. Mm-hmm. That's a surprise, I think, to to me and all of us at LPL Research. Uh, if you go back a few months, uh, it looked like those were very likely uh, to happen. So we don't know what this final bill is going to look like, but certainly we're getting some upside surprises on the tax front. Uh, great points. I mean, you know, a year ago, obviously, before the election, we said, okay, if President Trump wins, this could happen. If President Biden wins, this could happen. I mean, it was widely assumed higher taxes, higher cap gains taxes, um, higher corporate taxes, you know, to finance a lot of things if President Biden won. And there's, there's still potentially some higher taxes coming. But like you said, there are some pleasant surprises. Now, Jeff, the one that gets me, there's potentially a billionaire tax. And Janet Yellen was over the weekend talking about this. I know it's been out there. According to the data I saw, there's less than 1,000 um, billionaires out there. Um, I think about 700 or so. Um, um, and the question that I have, Jeff, uh, to you is the idea that apparently we're going to tax unrealized gains all right, on investments. right? Usually, you got to sell something before the government comes and takes its money. Now, this is just out there. I think I'm torn on what in the world. I guess if I was that rich, maybe I wouldn't care as much, or maybe actually I probably would care even more. Um, take my money before I sell it. What's your take? Do you think this is the answer, just to tax the 700 richest people in the United States and make up for a lot of the um, all the the issues that we have potentially? Well, taxing the ultra wealthy is, is probably a political winner for de- mm-hmm. Democrats, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. But this this way of doing it is not. Um, workable in my view mm-hmm. um, yeah. because you know if if you get a you know huge appreciation in something and pay taxes off of it and then it collapses you know do you get a tax refund i, I just don't know how that would good point would, would, would work because yeah. you haven't actually you know put any of your wealth in the bank uh so to mm-hmm. speak so I, I don't like the idea of taxing on real estate it's much easier to just tax rates on income or dividends and then set uh some sort of uh, break point, you know, incomes over a million, incomes over 10 million, something like that would make much more sense to me. Yeah, no, it seems a little cleaner, but it, you know, it's in the news and it's uh, something we're definitely going to talk about. Um, 
you know, so so we've talked about the social potential uh, spending package. What about the traditional of a, say about a trillion dollar um, infrastructure plan? It seems like we might get both of them about the same time if we can get the, the social one knocked out. The other one seems like both sides agree. Um, is that kind of how you see it playing out potentially here, Jeff? Really, both of them, boom, boom. We could actually get a vote on the hard infrastructure package by the end of the week. Okay, that would be the uh, 1.2 trillion. Only about half of that is really new spending, but 1.2 trillion in hard infrastructure. Um, that's the deal, right? Between the progressives and the moderates, you got to tie them together. So uh, once they get um, a framework for the social spending package, the the vote on the hard infrastructure package will happen very quickly. And then right. you know you do the math. We're looking at maybe 2.9 trillion combined. Uh, which is not far off from where we thought we would be uh, when all this horse trading began. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that feedback was you or I, or if even anyone picked it up, but it's like, we better move forward. Cause it's almost like the government's listening. Cause I'm hearing some feedback, something itchy going on. Maybe big brother's paying attention to what we're talking about, Jeff, let's move forward. So uh, on the YouTube channel, you guys almost need to see this to believe it, or maybe follow my Twitter feed, what I've sent out on Saturday night. My wife, uh, we had a Halloween party at some neighbor's houses and she came up with this idea to buy like stuffed animals and literally like cut them open and take the stuffing out and put it on her head and wear face paint and then wear a body suit also it sounds as crazy as it sounds um so i just described it i guess but i did have a bear costume on and honestly i didn't even think of this but people on twitter were saying is ryan bearish now now obviously it's a joke um you know but i'm not bearish now i mean we've been structurally bullish for quite some time but yes i did wear a bear costume um on saturday night at my neighbor's house i mean jeff you're looking at the image there what's your take burt white said it was one of the scariest things he's seen in a long time what, what do you think oh i i like it i mean uh, impressive that you went through that amount of effort to come up with your costumes you know i, yeah. I usually you know figure it out Halloween night to what I'm going to wear to go out with the kids. And I, you know, end up doing the same thing every year. My kids mm -hmm. yell at me yeah. for not being creative. So this is, this is just outstanding. And the fact that you threw that together after you came back from your trip is, is, is really a impressive uh, dedication to the uh, costuming craft. Well, you might be surprised to hear this. I put virtually no thought into it. Emily bought it all and did it all. And I just threw it on. So it was, I have to give her all the credit. But yeah, it was a, it was a hit. We won actually cutest couple award at the Halloween party that we went to. So there you go. But I am not bearish, which is a fun potential lead into a little bit of an equity discussion here, Jeff. Um, Before you go any further, Ryan, I got to say that I might oh. try to one up you next week. Okay. Because um, we are inviting all of my dogs, doggy friends over for a Halloween party. Dogs gonna be in costumes, probably wow. gonna be about 10 of them. It's gonna be spectacular and I will absolutely get pictures. So your, your picture was great, but um, I might just take that up a notch. We'll see if I can uh, bring that to you on next week's podcast. That, that sounds like a winner. I mean, literally as you and I are speaking, my 135 pound um, Great Pyrenees, Walter, I'm looking at him right there. I don't want to say his name because he's snoring away, but um, he's yeah, so there's a, he's, he's kind of like in a way the, the, the fourth person to this podcast, obviously Neil, our producer is our third person who helps every single week, but Walter just snoring away right there. And I'll tell you, he's never once barked. He just, once he's in there and he's sleeping, he, he is out cold. I mean, clearly the discussion about Washington and stocks, he really doesn't care at all. But I thought when you start talking about dogs he might perk up but no he's out cold that's 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 all right though um so so yeah jeff i mean it took it took a little bit of time right we had a 5.2 percent correction 
September 2nd, peak in the S&P 500, which, by the way, was the peak in the S&P 500 a year ago, also before an eventual 10% correction, then eventual new highs. This time, a 5.2% correction into early October. Sure enough, we rallied back really strong October. If you remember on this podcast a few weeks ago, we said, hey, October gets a bad rap. It's usually a pretty decent month, but it's really strong in years you don't have a midterm. Well, it's called odd, odd years. Odd years when you don't have a midterm or in a presidential election, no jitters. Man, up like 6% or so, give or take on the S&P month to date as, as we speak here. Um, but we finally made new highs. It's now the 10th month this year that has new highs. The only year ever to go all 12 for 12, a new high every single month was 2014. Um, you know, Jeff, I don't know. There's so many different ways to take it, but finally new highs. What's your take? I mean, we had a 5% correction. Did you think we'd have a little bit more? And I mean, I don't know. Just pretty amazing, the resiliency. Well, I mean, given the risks right now, um, maybe I'm a little surprised, but I mean, we're in this buy the dip kind of mm -hmm. environment for uh, quite some time. I mean, it, you know, I'm a pretty simple investor, right? I just look at fundamentals of the economy, corporate mm -hmm. profits, interest rates, uh, inflation, and, you know, inflation is troublesome, but really everything else looks, looks pretty good right now. Um, earnings season we'll talk about in a bit, but off to a really good start and you know, the supply chain disruptions and all the cost pressures and labor shortages, all that, it, it's really, you know, not having a huge impact, at least not in uh, the numbers. So companies are really doing a heck of a job managing through that. So the fundamentals look pretty good. And, you know, we're going to, I think, stick with the buy the dip mentality here um, for the uh, foreseeable future, at least until we lose the momentum from in, in this economy uh, and in corporate profits, which could be quite some time. Yeah, well, on this very podcast, you know, back in the summer months when we were having the real strong rally, you and I discussed, hey, you know, of course we could have a pullback eventually. We said five to eight percent. You know, we, we didn't think we'd have much more with all the fundamental strength and the monetary policy, fiscal policy. Sure enough, we had a five percent correction. And the thing that gets me is a old school option trader. I love to look at market sentiment. Remember, we had almost a five percent correction late January, early February on the GameStop worry. GameStop was soaring. Which institutions on the other side of that? People got really fearful. Then on the, I'll call this the Evergrande sell-off. We've talked about Evergrande a lot late in September, right? The Chinese real estate company that's in a lot of trouble. This was the Evergrande sell-off in a way. Um, you know, and we said again, how quickly, how bearish everyone got, right? Bank of America has a survey, Jeff. We talk about this one a lot in our team um, that looks at, you know, institutional money managers and they're the most bearish they've been in a year. They've raised the most cash they have in more than a year. This is on just a 5% correction. Now, some key concept though, yes, the S&P pulled back 5%, but if you look at kind of like what the median stock did, right? The median stock in the S&P pulled back well over 10%, close to 15%. You're, we saw a lot of stocks in the NASDAQ down at least 20%, a lot of small cap stocks down at least 20%. The market held up a little bit better, but your average stock actually felt some more pain. So I think that's one of the reasons we had so, some good amount of bearish sentiment on that recent correction. But Jeff, I'll let you talk now. Seasonality, this is one of those, it is what it is. Beginning on October 28th, which guys is my birthday. So feel free and send me a birthday, birthday present if you want. That kicks off the seasonal strength that ends the year typically higher, right? So the end of October through um, you know, through through the holidays and into December. I mean, Jeff, we're up 20, what, 21% or so year to date on the SP. Do you think we have that much juice left for the seasonals to play out once again? Maybe a little bit, uh, but I think we all agree that. You know, the strong October has pulled a little bit of these seasonal gains forward, right? 
Um, but this, you know, good news on the tax front hasn't really, you know, that that wasn't factored in yet. So maybe we've right. got a couple points from the seasonal boost at least left. Plus, we maybe get a little bit more of a lift uh, if we don't get these tax increases that people are worried about. Remember, you know, whenever people hear capital gains tax increases, they run out and sell, mm. right? We we may not get that wave of of selling. And even if we do get a capital gains tax rate increase, it may be effective the day it's passed and it might be too late for people to sell. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, we're not even going to get that. So, yeah, I think uh, we've got, you know, maybe a few more points left in this market um, easily, you know, barring uh, any unforeseen uh, negative developments out of left field. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I think the next slide, yeah, the next slide just is simply November, right? I mean, seasonality, again, it is what it is. We we don't blindly invest on this, but we're not going to ignore it either. Since 1950, November's the best month. The last 10 years, November's the best month. The last 20 years, November's the second best month. And a post-election year, November's the second best month. So that's a lot of different ways to say, hey, you know, see, seasonally, there's some tailwinds. Now, this week in our weekly market commentary, uh, Scott Brown, who's joined this uh, call a couple times, took a look at kind of the seasonality thing. But he also overlaid the fact that all of a sudden we're starting to get some market participation. I mean, th something a lot of people don't understand, Jeff, I think, is the average stock. It peaked like you know, late summer, OK, uh, or late spring, early summer. A lot of stocks have literally gone sideways for several months, uh, the last six months. And now we're starting to see participation with other sectors, small caps, mid caps breaking out. We think small caps eventually break out. There's some underlying strength there that, again, suggests with the seasonals, hey, be open to some potential strength, uh, continued strength, uh, you know, the rest of this year and into, into next year. I think, Jeff, that's maybe my last comment I have before we move to the last thing, earnings. Anything you want to add on potential year-end rally or how to position for it or bond stocks, whatever, however you want to put a bow on it. It's all you. Yeah, well, COVID cases have come down a lot and yeah. we're getting more reopening. Remember, that the, the U.S. economy is probably hardly going to grow at all in the third quarter. We get that later this week, the first look at that number. Um, we have better growth coming, right, as the reopening continues. So uh, I think that's another reason to expect a, a year-end rally is um, the trajectory of, of economic growth certainly pointing higher. Yeah, our friends at the Atlanta Fed, they do the Atlanta Fed now where they they are GDP now, I'm sorry, where they estimate using some some proprietary indicators on what GDP could be. I think GDP in the third quarter could be slightly negative now. <laughs> in June, which really wasn't that long ago, they were looking for 10% real GDP growth in the third quarter. Now it's negative. I mean, if, you, if that's all you heard, you'd say to yourself, wow. Stock market's probably not doing so well. Yet again, it, it is doing better. I mean, Jeff, what's the easiest way to describe that to someone? GDP was supposed to be up 10. Now it's negative, practically. But stocks have gone up. Why in the world? How is that possible to your average investor? It makes no sense. Well, it's it's Delta variant and all the related disruptions from that. But what's important to keep in mind is that it just pushes out the growth. That growth exactly. is eventually going to happen. Exactly. We're yep. just spreading it out over several quarters. And you know, as investors, you know, maybe worried about volatility, that's ideal, right? Because you're going to mm -hmm. continue to look forward to better days ahead for longer, rather than just seeing a surge in growth and then coming right back down and investors wondering, you know, when's the better growth going to come next? So yeah. all in all, it's a pretty positive environment with that, um, you know, the growth being pushed out, investors can still look forward to it. 
Yeah, I think it's as simple again as it's all about the future, right? Okay, so we took some growth in the third quarter, but like you said, we're spacing it out, and that growth likely likely comes fourth quarter, first quarter next year. Um, so, Jeff, the final uh, little fun thing I wanted to talk about, the bandwagon is open. As many people know, I'm a long-suffering Bengal fan. Apparently, all of a sudden, the Bengals fans are everyone's favorite team. Um, I saw Jamar Chase set the all-time record for most yards receiving in his first seven games of over 750 yards, second in the NFL. Joe Burrows had at least two touchdowns every single game this season. I think the only quarterback to do that in the, in the NFL. We won't talk about your Chiefs. It's a rough one, but the season's not over. But the bandwagon's open. You coming over, Cincinnati fan now? Well, they're in a different division, so I think uh, I think I'll come on over and and, yeah. and you know if the Chiefs figure things out, maybe I'll I'll go back to them later. But right now, I think I'm going to focus on the the Bengals and, and celebrate their success with you. Long yeah, time. I mean, as as I always say, a long suffering fan. It's it's sad, but we all just assume the worst is going to happen because in 2000 2015, the Bengals were nine and one, had one of the best teams in football. Andy Dalton has a fumble, falls over, breaks his thumb out for the year you know just something goofy like that we just assume the worst is going to happen because we've been cursed for so long but i don't know i mean so far they that defense defense in the top 10 offense is close to the top 10 playing better so we'll see but as a bengal fan it's exciting and we have the jets i've got a ton of friends up in new york um jets look like a disaster so hopefully the Bengals are six and two going into their bye when it's all over so anyway jeff final thing and this is all you Earning season. Earning season looks like it's been really, really strong. Again, maybe not quite as strong as some of those previous quarters where we just blew the estimates out of the water, but we're doing pretty good this time. Tell me how good it's been. Yes, it's been it's been really good. I mean, we can't expect the upside surprises we've got the last couple of quarters, right? The environment's gotten tougher. Expectations have risen. Uh, the year-over-year comparisons are tougher as well. So, you know, you got to kind of keep all those things in mind with that perspective this has still been uh quite a bit better than i would have anticipated we thought maybe we could get 10 percentage points of upside that was our best guess coming in which would have put earnings growth in the high 30s year over year for the quarter it looks like we got a really good shot to get into the 40s now based on the results we've seen because we're already tracking to 38 uh based on fact set numbers and we're not even you know halfway done not even 40 percent done um, the big tech names still yet to report. They move the needle. 40% of S&P 500 profits are reporting this week. Okay, that's just a wow. huge number. That's Microsoft. That's Alphabet Google. That's Apple. That's, you know, Facebook just reported. Um, just huge, the huge names, right? Um, Amazon. So after we get through this week, we'll have a better idea, but it looks like we're going to get another quarter of really strong numbers relative to expectations. And then on top of that, despite all the challenges, right? I mean, every conference call you're hearing supply chain problems, you know, inflation, cost right. pressures, all of that shortages, every call, thousands of mentions of those terms on the conference calls so far. Um, and, and yet estimates for the next four quarters are rising. It's really impressive. So there's, you know, another reason why, again, I think stocks can still go higher in the near term here. So a lot of earnings momentum, and it doesn't look like it's ready to stop just yet. Now you talk about what's priced in. I mean, we've talked about higher prices and supply chain issues, it feels like, for six months now. So obviously, we've been talking about it for a while. Mr. Market's aware. But Jeff, at the same time, I want to ask you this. I did see that P&G, Kimberly Clark, and Conagra, at least were three of the big names that actually said, hey, you know, COVID concerns, supply chain issues. 
we're going to up some prices a little bit, right? I mean, that's that inflation thing we're talking about. Have you been hearing more companies talk about potentially increasing prices on the consumer? Um, those are three big ones that happened that I saw. But any other ones out there or you see more in the future, maybe that it's going to say, hey, sorry, guys, you got to pay more now. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen too many others, but I mean, there's a good reason for that because basically right. we've seen banks, you know, the banks are the early reporters and they yep. don't have those same challenges, right? And actually mm -hmm. the costs have been pretty good. Um, even, you know, Facebook last night, um, the market seemed to like their capital spending guidance. They're going to spend a little less than analysts anticipated. And so um, we're not really hearing a lot from... Um, the banks and the tech companies so far about higher costs, but when we get more of those, you know, consumer product companies, uh, we get more industrial companies that are actually making stuff and and, and shipping it. I think we're going to see more price increases. We're we're running at about you know five percent CPI right now, a little less with core. Uh, hopefully that doesn't go too much higher, but you would anticipate companies to take price increases. That's why uh, earnings and stocks tend to go up and do well when when uh, when you see inflation pressures because they are able to take those price increases um, and that um, you know that makes them equities a pretty good inflation hedge well, that's an excellent point and then the question of course is well if things are costing more how much is that going to impact the consumer believe me we're going to watch that every single week but as we've said before the consumer has more than two trillion dollars sitting in money markets and savings accounts and there's a lot of cash out there a lot of balance sheets that corporations and consumers are in really good shape so i think it's all part of we're aware higher prices are likely coming a little bit still here, although we don't see hyperinflation like we started the discussion. But again, the consumer's in fairly good shape and they likely can withstand that. And again, the, the stock market's smarter than all of us and the stock market doesn't care about our feelings. And as, as we've been seeing, you know, these new highs are happening. So if uh, we were truly on the oh, the edge of a new recession, we'd be seeing more worry in the, in the bond markets, more worry in the credit markets, and probably more worry in the stock market. We're just not really seeing that. So Jeff, um, what else this week should in, um, investors and our listeners of this podcast be on the lookout for? Yeah, well, besides the massive earnings um, calendar, you've got GDP. Uh, consensus expectations are about 3.5%. But as you mentioned, the Atlanta Fed tracker is suggesting lower. So we could get you know, something closer to maybe one to 2%. Mm -hmm. um, the key question is what's coming in Q4 and Q1, right? The market's already kind of moved past the slow Q3. Uh, that's probably largely priced in, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there in terms of inventories. If we still have a big inventory build ahead of us, which can support the, um, you know, GDP estimates uh, going forward. Um, and then beyond that, we'll just continue to watch Washington, of course, because, uh, you know, by the end of the week, we could have a good idea of um, what those two uh, packages are going to look like. Uh, absolutely. Good points. And honestly, I forgot I put this slide in here, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. So crude oil, again, goes higher. You pay more at the pump, right? And potentially you're going to pay more for a lot of different things if crude oil is going higher. Um, commodities in general likely look like they're in a, in a, in a higher regime um, environment as well, along with stocks. They can go higher together. But Jeff, I saw two headlines recently that just from a contrarian point of view said to me, wow, 
Maybe crude oil is going to continue to go higher here and be strong. University of Calgary hit pause on bachelor program in oil and gas engineering. Only 10 people were in that program. Also, Exxon debates abandoning some of its biggest oil and gas projects. So when you see headlines like that with a, with a commodity literally breaking out to multi-decade highs, uh, give or take, um, the, the potentially can be, uh, from a contrarian point of view, continued strength. So, I mean, what's your take on the energy sector, Jeff? I mean, or our take at LPL Research. We like cyclical value. Energy's had a heck of a run. There's no doubt about it. Best best performer this year and best performer over the past 12 months by like a mile. Um, you think it can keep going or what would you in a portfolio right now? Would you overweight energy here? Oh, I think uh, I think I'm getting a little bit of air sickness. <laughs> I'm about to put it yep. that way. Uh, this <laughs> is just smelling too much oil. When you smell too much gasoline, it smells good for a minute or two and then you get a little sick, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're up at, um, you know, pretty tall heights mm-hmm. relative to where we've been. So, you know, my take is that it probably has a little more to run because, you know, this is these are some powerful trends opening in the economy, you know, relaxation of travel restrictions, right? More flying, more commuting uh, and all of that. That's a good oil demand story. And OPEC and Russia are not ramping up production any faster than they told us they would uh, a month or two ago. So that's good. So there's the formula for more gains, but after such a huge run, sure, we, we I would say just keep it on a short leash. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get too, uh, too overweight in the energy sector. It's um, when it drops, it drops quickly. Yeah, good point. You mentioned opening up and air travel. Mark Zabicki, um, who's been on this podcast many times, our director of research, I know is flying up. I think it's what today, right? To go up to Boston to uh, to hang out with you and Barry and some other members of the team. I mean, you, you've never met Mark face to face, right? I'm pretty sure, right? This is the first time? Wrong. Uh, actually, first time um, I've ever been, first time I've ever been wrong on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> it's first time for everything. There you um, go. <laughs> Mark, um, Mark started talking to LPL several years ago. So I actually um, had the uh, privilege of interviewing him for a position uh, on this team before, you know, several years before he was actually hired uh, to run our group uh, last fall. Well, I'm putting an asterisk by that then. That's a that's a roundabout way of saying you did see him face to face, but not since he's been our boss, put it that way. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So Jeff, hope you guys have fun with him and safe travels to Mark getting up there. But yeah, thank you to everyone who continues to listen to this podcast. I don't know if we're officially there, but we're really, really close. Uh, 500,000 downloads since we started this podcast just over three years ago. Thanks to Neil, our producer, as always, for helping us. And thanks to everyone out there who keeps listening to this podcast. Um, you know, give us a like, give us a follow. It does help us uh, build our brand and build this brand and get this out there to more people. So with all of that, Jeff, have fun up in Boston with Mark. Hopefully you guys get to eat some good food. I know you will. And everyone else will be back next week. And we're going to take a look at uh, take a look at Jeff's dogs dressed up for Halloween. It should be a very, very special LPL Market Signal podcast. See everybody in a week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes 
services are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.